First John. First John. We'll be reading the small portion in chapter four, but we'll be starting chapter five tonight. Is where our lesson will be. And we will see tonight that the Apostle Paul brings forth that faith in Christ and love for the brethren are intertwined. They're intertwined. They're interwoven. You will not find one without the other. And we know that that's been a theme that the Apostle John has been bringing forth through this book. Loving the brethren and the fact that Christ alone is the Messiah. And those who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God will have a genuine love for Christ and they'll have a genuine love for God's people. And chapter 5 brings forth that those people are those who are begotten of God, born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We know from chapter 4 that God loved us first before we loved him. That's where we'll be starting tonight. But we know that's a fact, that the scriptures declare that. That we love him only because he first loved us. And there's no getting around that. Because in our natural state, there's none that love God. None. No one. No one. But when we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, We have a love for Christ and we have a love for his people and we're made known, it's made known to us the fact that God loved us before we ever loved him. We know as the people of God that regeneration always precedes faith and faith and repentance is a gift from God. We looked at that on the weekend. It's a gift of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, beloved. It's a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And we've seen in our studies in, in the past in this book that, that the love we have for God and for his people is, is the love of God shed abroad in our heart. It's the love of God shed abroad in our heart. It's, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Turn, keep your finger in First John there, but turn to Galatians real quick. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look just quickly again what the fruit of the Spirit is. What the fruit of the Spirit is. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verses uh, 22 and 23. This is a fruit of the Spirit. So this is what the Holy Spirit works in us, okay? We cannot muster this up. This is a work of God. This is a work of God in us as a result of being born again. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice the capital S, it's his work, is love. Love for God, we know from our study, and love for the brethren. Love, love, true love, genuine love, joy, Happy in the fact that the Lord has saved us. Peace. Oh, peace with God. Long-suffering with people. We're not short-tempered with people. We don't fire off on people. 
We're short-tempered. We're long-suffering with people. Long-suffering. Gentleness. We're gentle with each other. Goodness. Kind to one another. Faith. So we see there that love and faith are both fruits of the Spirit. My. Right? Meekness. Quiet strength. Quiet strength. Temperance. Against such there is no law. No law. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. So we see there that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance is all the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. So with those truths in our mind, let's go back to 1 John. With those truths of Galatians 5, 22 and 23 concerning the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God worked in us, let's, let's read our text tonight. We'll read from verses 19 in chapter 4 to verse 5 in chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, or Apostle John, pens in verse 19, we love him, being God, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. No matter what he says, no matter what his testimony may be. If a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Very clear. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Now verse 1 continues the same vein. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten him. So he's just reemphasizing what he said all through this book. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. The word of God's not grievous to God's people. We rejoice in it. We rejoice. We, joy, we rejoice when we read it. We rejoice when we hear it preached and proclaimed. We never get tired of hearing the gospel. Just preach me the gospel every single time. I'm, I'm content as one of God's sheep. Right? That's how we are. Just preach Christ to me. And it's not grievous to us. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? We're seeing this last chapter of 1 John, that the object of God-given faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see that presented very clearly to us in this chapter. The object of God-given faith, not man's mustard faith, but God-given faith, the object of the, of the true believer's faith, is Christ, and Christ alone. And we see that those who are born again by the God the Holy Spirit, and love God, and love the brethren, are those who he's regenerated. We see that, and we see that in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. We know that a person believes that the Lord Jesus is the Christ because he's born again. And this is clearly brought forth in the first chapter of John who wrote this same epistle when, when John, he wrote this in his gospel. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Right? But as many as received him, being Christ, to them gave he. Christ gave them the power to what? Gave he power to become the sons of God. Even, even to them that believe on his name. That's just a short way of saying salvations of the Lord. And then he went on to say, in case people get confused, because oftentimes people like to muddy the waters. It seems like they muddy the waters a lot in Scripture, unfortunately, to their own destruction. But John goes on to say in verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That ties right in with our verse tonight. In 1 John. Again, let's read it again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Born again. Born of God. Note those words. Born of God. Not born of a decision. Not born because some false preacher told you, well, now you're saved. And you're part of the family of God. Born of God. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And don't overlook the mercy that is shown in this verse to God's people. Born of God. Born of God. Just as natural life precedes all aspects of natural existence, so also spiritual life precedes all aspects of spiritual existence. Therefore, we conclude that faith is the evidence of regeneration. You must be born again. And in faith, which we know is a gift, which we saw as a fruit of the Spirit, right? Which we know from Ephesians 2 is given to us. We know that. You, You always compare Scripture with Scripture. Faith is the evidence of regeneration. Listen to these words. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Man or woman cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Natural man's response, right? That's a natural man's response right there. The Lord's talking about spiritual things, about heavenly things. And Nicodemus is thinking about earthly things. Earthly things. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, capital S, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, capital Spirit, is Spirit. You must be born again. Jonathan Edwards was tossed out of his church. The first church he he pastored at, because he, he... he, he demanded a regenerated membership. He demanded, the, he wanted the people that were going to partake of the Lord's Supper that, that they were born again. 
Well, that's, that's what even we do. You must be born again, eh? You must be born again. Otherwise, you eat and drink damnation to yourself taking the table. No, you must be born again. Paul wrote that in over there in Corinthians. Oh my. Marvel not, our Lord continues, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. But the key verse too, one of the key verses there in John chapter 3, verse 6, is that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The flesh can never produce anything spiritual. Right? Never. So the fruit of the Spirit that, that we looked at in Galatians can never be produced by the flesh. Only by the Spirit. My, does that not make your heart sing? When we ex- and See, remember, we're, we're told in the Scriptures to examine ourselves, right? And examine ourselves whether we be in the faith, right? My. The believer has a love for God that he didn't have before, she didn't have before. The believer has a love for the brethren that they didn't have before. The believer has a love for Christ and his gospel that they didn't have before. The believer has faith in Christ through all the trials and, and tribulations of life that they never had before. It's wonderful, isn't it? And then when we consider the great white judgment, when all will stand before God and, and we know that God's people are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and when we consider all the multitude that will be, that, that, oh my, that will perish, in the second death, we'll be cast into the lake of fire. We, we know it's only the mercy of God that we're not there. It's only the mercy of God, beloved. It's only the mercy of God. Our master brought forth that, that when we're born the first time, we receive from our parents their nature. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. John 3, 6. Right? So when we're born again, we receive from God His nature. We're born again. The Holy Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Wonderful. Very simple though, isn't it? But people muddy it up so so badly. So badly. But it's wonderful to, to the Lord's people. The Spirit of God begats with us, within us a spiritual nature by His divine power. Therefore, that which is born of man is human, earthly, and that which is born of God is divine and spiritual from above and from God. That's why we have the war we have in our flesh. That's why we battle our flesh, beloved. Because we have a new nature now. We have a new nature within us. And we saw, we saw when we looked in Galatians that, that faith and love are fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're fruit that he works in us. And, and our faith is given to us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And we will see as we look through this chapter again that the faith that God's people are given, the God-given faith that's given to God's people has one object. And that's Christ. He's the one object we look to. We don't look to other things. No. We don't look to ourselves because, boy, we'd be sore on, won't we, all the time. No, we look to him. We look to our Savior. And that's what gospel preachers do. We point you to Christ. Look to Him. 
Look to him, beloved. Ah, so faith is centered in the singular in its aspect because faith looks to Christ alone. And God-given faith, which the scripture claims, again, is a gift from God, believes Christ. We believe him. We believe what he says in the scripture. We believe him. We believe what God says in this book. We believe it. This is the word of God. We believe that. And it's wondrous. And it's a mind full of vast glories of Christ because it speaks of him, beloved. It speaks of him. And so the believer believes Christ. We believe what God says in the scripture. And faith, which is centered upon Christ, does not consider itself, as I said earlier, because we have no confidence in the flesh. It only looks outward to Christ. It only looks outward to Christ. And we look to him, beloved, during all circumstances, don't we, in situations. We just keep looking to him. Now, there may be time when we forget. You know, we do. We, we get caught up in the situations and, oh, we get our eyes off Christ. But, but he, has a, he has a peculiar way of bringing his people to look back right at him, doesn't he? It's like he tells that little crook in that staff, just gently guides us back. You know, he doesn't, you know, we have a great God. We have a wonderful shepherd, beloved. We have an absolutely wonderful shepherd. So in times of happiness, in times of sorrow, when disaster strikes, it's the Lord who gets us through those times, beloved. It's him who gets us through those times. And, and, and again, he's the object of our faith. He's the one we rest in. He's the one we trust in. We don't trust in our faith, do we? We trust in the one who is the object of our faith. Christ, in him crucified. Many say, my faith got me through this situation. You ever hear that? You hear, you hear that a lot in religion. My faith got me through this situation. But God's born again saints, we possess God-given faith. And that faith is fixed on Christ. And we say, our Lord got us through that situation. He got us through that. He's the one. He did it all. Oh my. It's fixed on him. And it's fixed on him. Our faith is fixed on him, so he receives all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Let's read verse 1 again of 1 John 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. So God's born again people, we believe. Remember that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness? He believed God. He believed what God said, didn't he? Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And everyone who has faith believes God concerning what? Concerning his testimony of Christ. We believe God concerning his testimony of Christ. We believe God concerning his testimony of Christ. We just trust him. We just rest in him. He's our great God. Genesis chapter 15. And verses 1 to 6. We know that he's the only means of our salvation, don't we? We know that. We know there's salvation in no other. We've been showing our desperate need for Christ. 
And then the bomb of Gilead's been, been showing us, which is Christ and him alone. Look at this. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not. I love those two words. We're going to do a study one time on those two words. Fear not. Just two. I, I know I already did one, but I like... We, we, could, we could examine that, that, that whole section in just those two words, fear not. It's incredible how many times that comes across in Scripture. Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding reward. Remember who's saying this to him? Jehovah. Jehovah's saying this to him. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came upon unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Lord, said Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, unto him, so shall I see be. And he believed God. Right? He, look at that. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now turn to Galatians real quick. Just Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We'll read verses, verses 1 to 9, and then we'll read verses 28 and 29. Look at this. Look at this. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, the gospel? Right? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Paul preached Christ and him crucified. He set him forth before his ears. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so, so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? So he says, you're born again of the Holy Spirit, but, but are, are you now made perfect by something you do? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. But this is what he... Now, there, there's been people who have crept in and told them you must be circumcised to be saved, mixing the law and grace. And this is what Paul's combating here. Again, are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at that. Know ye therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham, the ones who who the Lord said, look and see the stars, they're innumerable. <laughs> look what it says there, beloved. <laughs> Abraham had the same faith you and I have. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. That's us. So then, they which be of the faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, with that in our minds, look at verses 28 and 29, this same chapter. Look, this is marvelous, beloved. This is absolutely marvelous. 
we're spiritual Israel, beloved. God's people. Look, there is neither Jew nor Greek. The, the middle wall partition has been broken down, Ephesians says, right? There is neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That means he's the head and we're the body. Look at this though. And if ye be Christ, then, ye, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, beloved. My, oh my. Who's our Christ? All who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the heirs according to the promise, beloved. That's what that's bringing forth. That's what that's, that's bringing forth. It's absolutely wonderful. Let's go back to our text then and take note in our text that the first portion, first portion deals with regeneration, what it means, which means to be born again. That's what born of God means. You're regenerated with the Holy Spirit of God. Let's read that verse again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It's God's work. And everyone that loveth him, that begot loveth him, also that is begotten of him. Now faith believes a report. Remember Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Faith believes the report. A report which comes from this book of who Christ is. Who, who Christ is. We believe that. Because again, who is the object of our faith? Christ. See, it continually makes a circle back to him. It all just circles right back to Christ. Always, always, always. Look at verse, let's read verse 1 again, and then we'll read verses 9 to 11 of this same chapter. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot him loveth him also that is begotten of him. Look what John brings forth here in verses 9 to 11. If we receive the witness of man... The witness of God is greater. What God testifies about his son is greater than anything man says. That's what that's saying. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. He's testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Do you see that? Because God testifies of who his son is. Look at that. That's, look, at, look what the scripture says there. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. We're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And we believe what God says. But look, look what it says here. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. My, oh my. Because they don't believe the testimony that God says of his Son. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God gave God, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Look at that. Now we know that John dealt with false prophets in chapter 3, and here we see in, in verse 1, let's go back to verse 1, we see that John makes a distinction between the true Messiah, Christ, as opposed to false messiahs, who also claim to be Christ. Now look what he writes here in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is, is the Christ. Singular. Singular. He's the Christ. Which means he's the, he's the Messiah. 
It's not up. I was talking to Brother Billy today. He said, isn't it wonderful? The word of God's not up for debate. And I said, amen, brother. It's not up for debate. We believe what it says. And we proclaim what it says. And there's no debate about it. No, no arguing about it. God said it. And, and, and I'm not going to say um, what that, that saying, though God said it, uh, we believe it, and it's final. No, God said it, it's final. Period. It's over. It's, it's, it's done. <laughs> Take us out of the equation over here. God said it, that's it. There's no argument. There's no debate at all. None. Absolutely none. None. So when it says that Jesus is the Christ, what's meant by Jesus is the Christ is he's the anointed. He's the Messiah, beloved. John's proclaiming who he is. And God-given faith rests upon Christ, the anointed one. The Messiah. We believe, again, the testimony that God has given of his son. We believe it. And remember, the scripture says that he's a prophet. We believe it. Scripture says that he's the priest. We believe it. And the scripture says he's king. And we believe it. <laughs> we believe it. We, we believe what God says. And in, in all three of those senses, he's the anointed one. Prophet, priest, and king. He's the Messiah. He's the only one who could fulfill all those offices. He's the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Sent by God, again, we saw in, in chapter 4, to be the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the one true Messiah. He's the one true Messiah. And those who are born again believe the report that God has given of him. We believe it. That's what we saw further down there in, in 1 John 5, didn't we? We believe it. We believe it. And when he's preached, we rejoice with joy unspeakable. And we give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. So true saving faith believes what God has said concerning his son. Believes what the scripture says. We don't, we don't argue with it. We might not understand it all. Because we know we read the scriptures sometimes and go, boy, I've read that a hundred times and I never saw that. <laughs> but it's wonderful. <laughs> but we believe what the word says. We believe it. And God's preachers, we preach it. We just proclaim the word of God. What it says, not our opinion. What does the word of God say? It says he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. It says in this verse, he's the Christ. Acts says this, to him gave all the prophets witness to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's the one they all spoke of, beloved. All the prophets gave witness to him. And we believe it. By God-given faith, we believe the report we believe the testimony that God has given us through his word. He's the Messiah. 
To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Praise God. Whosoever believeth in him receives the remission of sins. Oh. That means all our sins are forgiven, beloved. All through him. And it's very evident and clear that Christ and him crucified was the distinguishing message of the early church and the reason that believers were called Christians. Do you know, you know that's why the reason why we were called Christians, and the early Christians were called Christians, is because of the distinguishing message? Turn, if you would, to Acts. Acts um, chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. The early Christians believed and declared that Jesus was the Christ. That's, they declared the same thing we declare, beloved. Jesus is the Christ. Listen to what, what's penned in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the, that same Jesus whom you, you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's, <laughs> we don't make him Lord. God made him Lord long before. We ever call him Lord. Right? <laughs> if someone says you make just make him Lord of your life, just say, Well, God beat us all to that. Oh my. Look at this though in Acts chapter eleven. Look at this in verse twenty six. And when he had found them, he brought them unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, the distinguishing message of Christians was that Jesus is the Christ. Up to this point, up to this point before Acts 11.26, the Christian religion had just been looked upon as another sect of Judaism. They just looked upon it as a sect of Judaism, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Just sects. Because most early believers were Jews. But these converts in Antioch here, they were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. They had no background in Judaism. They, they had no relationship to the Mosaic laws. They lived as pagans. Beloved. They lived as pagans. They were idolaters. They were engaged in idol worship. And they lived godless and vile lifestyles. And it was among these people that our great sovereign God was pleased to raise up a people and regenerate them by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and give them faith and repentance in Christ. Therefore, they became followers of Christ. Now, think of this too. This was, a not, not, this was not a name that they gave themselves. They didn't call themselves this. As a matter of fact, they, they usually called themselves followers of the way. Followers of the way. No, this was the name that the enemies of Christ gave them. The enemies of Christ gave them this. Unto these professors. For they called them Nazarenes and Galileans out of contempt. And we see that they, that our sovereign God would have his people be called Christians. It all came about by the power of God. And the, what, 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 does the, what does the name Christians do? Well, it gives glory to Christ. His name is even within what we're called. 
Christians. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. John Gill brought forth that, that these were, these were their enemies who gave them these names. My. So let's read verse 1. Knowing, knowing that God the Son, God incarnate in the flesh, is the one who has all power. And he's been given all power in heaven and earth. So let's read verse 1 over there in 1 John 5 again. Knowing that the first part of this verse teaches us the result of regeneration, which is faith. Now let's consider the second portion of this verse, which teaches us the results of faith, which is we love the brethren. Look at verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now we know again that this, these two topics, John has been spending a lot of time on it. They're a constant theme of this epistle. And the fact that those who are loved by God love him because they're born again, and those who love God also love the brethren. They love those who are born again. By our great God. So this verse here before us is a statement of fact. It's not up for debate. It's not up for debate, beloved. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of, of, of the him. This is a statement of fact. Again, it's not up for debate. Not at all. Not at all. And it stands as an impenetrable fortress of God's gracious work for his people and in his people. Because faith worketh, worketh by love. All right. Now let's read verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So John ties the second verse in with the first by the, with the words, by this we know. By this we know. And this refers to what he's declared in verse 1 which is by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So he's tied it right into the first verse. We know that we love God because he first loved us. That's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. And take note that no works on our part are listed as evidence that we love God. Take note of that in this verse. No, no, there's no mention of our works Listed as evidence that we love God, because we know by nature we don't love God. But oh, I'm still over there in Galatians. First John chapter five, verse two. By this we know that we love the children that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So there's no mention of our works. No mention of our works. No, no mention of our works is evidence that we love God, only that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, which we know again is a gift from God. Is a gift from God. Why do we love God? Why do we love God? Because he first loved us. He first loved us because we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now think, beloved, how profound this statement is in light of the manifold proofs and evidence that religion requires for its, adher- its, its adherence. Right? Man, they're always fruit inspecting people, man. Always. But we see here very clearly and plainly brought forth that the believer's evidence that he loves the brethren is, is the fact that he loves Christ. That he loves Christ. And we see again and again that it all comes back. Again, I said this earlier, it all makes a circle back to he who is the object of our faith. The Lord Jesus Christ. It always goes back to him, beloved. Always. Always. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. In John 14, listen to these words, verses 22 to 24. Judas saith unto him, not a scared, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, listen to this, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Remember, we believe what God says. That's basically what, that's, that's what that verse is saying. By, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. We love his word. We love what his word says, beloved. We love him. The Lord went on to say, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. They don't believe on him. They don't trust him. They don't believe the testimony that God has given us of his son. And we saw there in First John 5 that they therefore make God a liar. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Oh my. So true love is when God holds the supremacy in the preeminence, beloved. When he holds the supremacy in the preeminence. Now natural man will never understand that the Lord manifests himself to his people through his word. The world acts by sight. Show me then I'll believe. Well, hope is the evidence of things uh, not seen, right? We, we trust Christ. We, we trust him alone. We believe what God says. We've been given faith by God to believe what he says and to look to Christ, even though we've never seen him. <coughs> but I'll tell you what, we'll see him one day, face to face. And so will they but they'll see him in judgment if they die in their sins. Right? But we'll see him in glory. And we'll see him the minute we breathe our last, the second we breathe our last breath. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. So we look to Christ and his word. It's our only confidence in life and death, Christ and Christ alone. We keep his words, we believe his word, and we believe the words of Christ. And this is the assurance that you keep his commandments. Do you believe his words? Do you believe what he says? Amen. God's people do. God's people do. We believe what he says. And it's not what you do. 
It is that you believe Christ. That you believe Christ. Marvel at the simplicity of the gospel. Marvel at the simplicity of the gospel. Look to Christ and live. Marvel at the simplicity of the gospel. God's people, by God's grace and mercy toward us, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. He alone is, is our all in all. We proclaim to the world this wonderful truth that we are saved by the grace of God in and through Christ alone. Acts 15, again, it says this, verses 5 to 11. But there rose up a certain sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. So there were some that said, well, well, they got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. Look at, listen to what they, they say in reply. And when there had been much disputing, and I imagine there was a lot of disputing going on, because <laughs> Paul preached Christ and Christ alone, and so did the apostles. Listen to this. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth our hearts, bear them witness, giveth them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. They're born again by the same Spirit. And put no difference between us and them. Remember? Jew and Gentile. No difference in Christ. One. One in Christ. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe... Listen to this testimony. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. That's Acts chapter 15, verses 5 to 11. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, bring it right home for every believer, every believer, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, We shall be saved even as they. My, it's wonderful. Let's read verse 3 quick and then we're finished. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So the love of Christ will constrain us from sin. And we see here in this wonderful verse in verse 3 that God's commandments are not grievous. His word is not grievous to his people. It's not grievous to us. We love it. We love it. We are motivated by what? Love. Love for our Savior. Love to our great God. We're motivated by knowing that God has loved us from eternity, which we looked at a few weeks ago, with an everlasting love. Oh my. Oh my. That just sets your heart on fire. To know the truth of that. And under the law, the motivation to keep the commandments lay in the thread of judgment laying the threat of judgment or the obtainment of a reward. That's what religion says. The motivation to keep the commandments lay in the threat of judgment or the obtainment of reward, but it's not so for the born-again believer because we know there's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. No, we're motivated by love, beloved. We're motivated by love for our great God. We're motivated by love for our great Savior. And the born-again believer who's been granted faith to look to Christ, 
knows that God's love is manifested to us by the fact that God sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And we are motivated by love. Love to Christ, we desire to be obedient to Him, don't we? And it's not grievous to us. We read this word and and the words are not grievous to us. They're honey to our soul, beloved. They're absolute honey. See, religion just yokes people. But the word of God sets us free. Grace sets us free, beloved. My. Listen to what our Lord said. We're closed with these words. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Praise God, what a Savior. Heavenly Father, again, we thank thee for allowing us to be here tonight, allowing us to look in thy word. And, oh, Lord, we thank you that we're born again by thy Holy Spirit of And that we believe, Father, the testimony that you give of your Son in the Word, in your Holy Word. Oh, my, we know there's so many who do not believe and so many who do not see what we see, but we know that the only one who's made us to differ is you, Lord. It humbles us. It brings us low. But we glorify thy name for revealing these truths to us. We glorify thy name for revealing Christ to us. We glorify thy name that we're born again by thy Holy Spirit. And we glorify thy name in singing and praising that salvation is of the Lord. Oh, may this, these truths fill our hearts with joy this week, Lord. We love you only because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.